Blog Talk Radio. I'm a Google I'm a Google Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the 800 pounds of Gorilla Funk in the room. about the history and uh, whatever the hell else Barbara wants them to talk about. 
And uh, you can get more updates and information from the Groovalottos by going to the groovalottosblog.blogspot.com and you spell the Groovalottos, T-H-E-G-R-O-O-V-A-L-O-T-T-O-S, blog.blogspot.com and get all kind of updates and information on them. All right. And they'll also be on the upcoming mixtape hosted by Tina Wright, the upcoming Rush radio mixtape hosted by Tina Wright. So definitely check that out. All right, let's bring on Barbara the Country Cleaning Lady. Barbara the Country Cleaning Lady. What's going on, Barbara? You know, just doing a show. Yes, we are. You know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's go on ahead and bring on the Groovalotto so so you could uh, yeah. get all up in their business like you normally do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they like you know, that. You... That's oh, I know. Like I love that. that. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta, gotta interrogate them like a cop. Mm-hmm. Right, we have Eddie Ray from the Groovalotto. How you doing, Eddie Ray? All right. How you guys doing? Hello. Oh, for the show now is uh is Mr. Peters there with you? Oh uh, no, he's not. Okay, okay. So um, right now we have you. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're waiting on Mr. Peters, but we definitely want to just go ahead and get it rolling. And uh, once he calls in, we'll just bring him on. Um, all right, all right. Before, definitely. Now before Barbara grills you, you know, for the interrogation session. Tell the listeners about the band. Uh, just to give them some basic information, and then Barbara's going to uh, ask you more specific questions. So if you don't mind, just uh, let, the, let the listeners know who you guys are. Okay, we're the Groovalados out of Mashpee, Mass. Uh, uh, we're a Native American Indian and African American band, uh, Wampanoag. And the Barbadian is uh, Mr. Peters. Myself is Choctaw, Cherokee, and African. Um, we started this group uh, maybe six years ago with um, the founder of the Kituit Center for the Arts. He's the one that brought Mr. Peters and myself together. Um, he called me up after hearing Mr. Peters play and said, man, I've got a keyboard player that you're just going to have to play with. And I met... Uh, well, Brother Wahim, and uh, we put something together with Mr. Wolf, and uh, we went out as the Groovalados, uh down there on Cape Cod, a uh, place called Grumpy's, and it was a great experience. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Wolf uh, was no longer able to play with us due to arthritis, and his son, young Nick, uh, went on to play with his band. Uh, uh, Mr. Peterson and I decided that we were going to put this Groovalotto thing together, and it's been five years since we made that decision, and we've been on an upward climb ever since. Definitely, definitely. All right, all right. I got to throw some hand claps for that. Thank you. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Now, uh, Barbara, the country cleaning lady is going to take it from here. Okay. How are you doing, Eddie Ray? All right. How are you, dear? I'm fine. Congratulations on you guys' success as a 
American Indian roots. I mean, I'm Thank seeing you. a few, but, you know, most of them have just subsided along with the generation, and you guys are still going. So much success on your singles and all the performances and awards that you won. As you're talking about Thank your you. group, where did you guys get the name Groove Alottas from? Okay, so a lot of people don't know that Mr. Peters is also a playwright. And in one of his plays, he used the name Groove Alottas as a fictional, a non-fictional band, excuse me. And mm-hmm. um, we had decided on a couple of other names uh, for the band. And he came up with the, came up with the Google Idols, and it kind of grew on us. Uh, we haven't looked back since. So how did the three of you actually meet? I mean, I was reading a uh, biography, and it said that you came through James Wolfe. Initially, how did you guys meet? And, I mean, you know, most of the time when you get with a group, you don't know if it's going to work out. How did it yeah. go with you guys when you did your first gig in Foulmouth, Maine? Okay, uh, that's uh, Falmouth, Mass. That's down there by Woods Hole. Um, the first gig, uh, like like uh, Brother Walheim said, uh, Mr. Wolf brought us together. Uh, Walheim came down and played at one of the open mic uh, sessions at the Katuit Center for the Arts, where mm-hmm. Mr. Wolf was the director there and uh, our founder. And uh, he said to Brother Walheim, um, I've got a drummer for you somebody that you will love to hear play and that maybe you two and your voices could do something great together. And the next morning I got a call from Mr. Wolf said, man, you got to meet this guy. He's unbelievable on the piano. He is right up your alley. I think the two of you would make some beautiful music together. Well, Mm -hmm. it took a couple of days. We did ended up introducing ourselves. We talked about music. We talked about the music industry we talked about uh, being in the studio, being a studio musician, about being on the road. And it seems like Brother Walheim and I hit it right off. And mm-hmm. that's when we decided to uh, find a bass player to play with us because Mr. Wolf plays guitar, Morgan on keys, myself on drums. And mm-hmm. uh, his uh, son, Nick, uh, was, uh, was honored. We were honored to have him join us. Uh, Nick was 21, playing around with a, a bunch of old men. Uh, mm-hmm. His dad in his 60s, myself in my 50s, and Morgan in his 40s, and young Nick being in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. But Nick was a phenomenal bass player for someone who was really a guitarist, who right. studied the bass like nobody's business. Uh, Morgan told him he had to study James Jameson, which you all know is the bass player for Motown. Mm-hmm. And young Nick just pulled it off, just like he was was playing Motown stuff for you know has been doing it for ten to twenty years. And the other bass player he told him to study was Bootsy Collins of Parliament Funkadelic. And mm-hmm. Nick took to that like a like an Alabama chick took to a hound dog. Okay, well, did it kind of bother y'all a little bit? Because as I was looking at that, I mean, anybody coming from Motown, you would be a little bit skeptical. Because you know, Motown has a very shadow past when it comes to the music industry. And I mean, and just for this gentleman to be talent scouting you guys, one, did it surprise you? And two, did you think you could trust him based on the Motown reputation that they had? Okay, so Mr. Wolf had been a studio musician at Motown 
back when he was uh, 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 before 20 and in his early 20s. Um, mm-hmm. He's a uh, a great blues guitarist, a phenomenal slide guitarist who studied with Mississippi Fred McDowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, I had been playing with in bands for years as I commuted from Boston to the Cape. I was introduced to Mr. Wolf in a couple of different blues bands, and I was like, who is this guy? How does, where does this sound come from? And then, mm-hmm. you know, talking to him, he came from Detroit, studied with Mississippi Fred McDowell. When I met him, Mr. Wolf was a professional artist. He wasn't right. playing music anymore. Right. As a matter of fact, when I met him, he was doing portraits, portraits for the um, Wyndham Hotel chain. They wanted mm-hmm. a, 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 um, a, a painting of Mr. Wolf's in all of their, all of their entrances right. to their hotels. So I met him, and he was going blind at the time and had cataracts on his eyes and had the surgery. And then next thing you know, he pulled out his guitar one day and started playing some sweet music, and I was like, we got to do this. And then he said, well, you know, I'm I'm looking for somebody special. And that's when uh, Brother Walheim showed up. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it was music. And y'all felt comfortable that, you know, you could trust his reputation? You felt comfortable with that? Oh, yes. I have known Mr. Wolf, like I said. Um, I used to babysit for Mr. Wolf when uh, our young bass player, Nicholas, was uh, three months old. Mm-hmm. So I've known Mr. Wolf for, you know, about 18 to 20 years at that time mm-hmm. when Nick had started playing bass with us. So I had mm-hmm. been a member of the family. I was also on a, a staff member at the Gatuit Center for the Arts for a while, too. Okay. So, well, how I had, how did y'all, so well, how did y'all manage to combine the three hottest genres to become a solid sound? Because, I mean, I'm listening to funk, jazz, um, and I'm saying, well, to me it sounded like R&B, but then, you know, they were saying it was, you know, almost like psychedelic in a in a sense. But how were you able to take the three of those to make one solid sound, especially like what I just heard in Ash Your Mama? Okay, so you have to understand that our Brother Wahim, uh wrote, arranged, and composed all these tunes years ago and had released them mm-hmm. on uh, some of his single albums. Uh, which he had won several awards for. Um, It was a manager change. The the whole music thing changed when the two wolves left. The father and Mm -hmm. son team left. And we picked up an old friend of mine, a bass player that I had played with in a band called West Side Soul, Mm -hmm. where we were R&B, blues, and soul doing cover tunes. Okay. And I uh, Mr. when Mr. TV, you talking about you talking about Mr. TV Player, right? Uh, no, this is before Mr. TV Player. Okay. Um, we had this bass player for a couple of years in the band. Um, mm. Unfortunately, things didn't work out, but the brother was uh, just what we needed. When I I said to Raheem, I got to find my brother on bass because this is the guy we need right now. And I walked into a club there in Hyannis on Main Street called the Duck Inn, and the mm. brother was playing bass in a jam. And I introduced him to my brother, Walheem, and we jumped in to the jam session. Chris came down to a rehearsal, and we were off and running. Okay. And, uh, you know, we had other bass players before Chris, after Chris, but... It's it's all a great experience. It was all about the music. 
and making sure that we did things the way they did in the old days. There's no mm-hmm. loops. There's none of that vocal manipulation. You understand right. what I'm saying? We used real instruments. Right. There's no. And that's another uh, thing I was going to ask you too. The synthesizers and soundboards that they use nowadays. I mean, how are you guys able to still electrify a new age generation by simply using real instruments? And I mean, that's even live when you're doing live performances. How are you yeah. able to still keep that unique approach? in this music business? Because, you know, this new generation is all about that soundboard and synthesizer. They don't give a damn how many times it breaks down and everybody hears it jump. You done paid $200 to sit up front, and and all of a sudden, if if the lights go out or, you know, a thunderclap hits, you know, the music's gone, and they're standing there saying, well, look, we'll come right back. You guys can keep right on playing because you have actual instruments that you have trained yourself or had experience in or lessons in to actually play. You know, you can hear the music, play the music. I mean, how can you be able to still keep this generation interested in that kind of music? Well, you you know, um, ever since James Brown, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, and there's been a few others, the Isley Brothers, uh, Luther Vandross, uh, we can go down the line and start at Luther and work our way back to James mm-hmm. Brown. Uh, we can go before James Brown, Wilson Pickett. Right. The whole entertainment about playing this type of music is to bring them the traditional R&B, funk, and soul, and blues. Right. The way it was originally played back in the day. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because all of them lazy. You're right. right. You're right. Because they've gotten lazy. Right. All the vocals are all sang by Morgan and myself. Mm-hmm. There's no harmonizer. There's no auto-tune. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's all the Grooverados. That's right. Yes, when we get live. Okay, so the two of us unable to perform the seven, the eight-part harmonies. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what we do, you feel it from your feet, you feel it in your soul, and you are moving. Right. And right. that's the whole, the whole interest is they start off tapping their toes, they're tapping mm-hmm. their hands, they're moving in their seats, they're on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing that... Morgan and I have always said that the whole thing is about getting people up. Mm-hmm. If you can't get the people up to dance, what good is it? That's right. That's now, right. Of course, now, of course, we do a lot of outside concerts and performances outside, and a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, well, I paid all this money, and I don't want to see any dancing in the aisle or in front of the mm-hmm. stage. My feeling mm-hmm. is if you feel it, let it flow. Yeah, right. That's the point of you enjoying what you paid for to to show yeah. that you enjoy it and to show that they enjoy what you guys are doing. Right. That's that's now, the point of you. But you got your wrong folk. That that's how they that's how they are. The the, the politically correct. Those are the ones you just stand in front of and shake your butt. Uh, you know they the kind of ones you do right. that with. You gonna have right. those everywhere you go. <laughs> well, see see the the other thing is along with that we have this uh, 
Soundkeepers Unlimited with his uh, nonprofit organization. And what we do is we go out into the community and we go to the schools. And we put mm-hmm. on sessions for the kids to let them know, look, not everything has to be electronic. You can still do mm-hmm. it the old school way. And if you're interested in music, let the feeling flow. Now, do you guys you know? stop and, and explain to them the instruments? Because I know that all of you have college background. So, I mean, I'm quite sure you could teach music or any other art, to be honest with you, um, from what I've looked at all of y'all credentials. Um, do you stop, and that, especially for the kids who are unfortunate, I mean the real unfortunate ones, you know, not the ones that play at it, but the real unfortunate ones who really want a music career but don't have the money coming in to get those lessons, do you guys stop after the shows at the schools and, you know, show them where they can get started or, you know, offer a little advice to the kids during their um, performances? Oh, yes. We we always have a little seminar uh, question and answer uh, before, during, and after uh, we give our performances. Um, mm-hmm. We allow the children to come up and uh, learn something about the instrument. Um, I pass out drumsticks to kids that say, you know, hey, I, I'm interested in playing the drums. I mm-hmm. said, well, here's a pair of sticks, son. It always starts here. And remember, mm-hmm. you don't need a drum. You don't need a drum pad. You can practice on your pillow. Yep. And that's the thing. Um, as a matter of fact, um my uh one of my students now has just moved on to a professional instructor um down here in Hyannis in the drums. Wow. And mm-hmm. um that's um Morgan Junior, young Z Y G the Ziggy, who plays along with us as my protege, my replacement, someday when uh, I feel that I've gone far enough and let the young man take over. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's called giving back to the community right. and letting them know that you're there if they need them. Now, as you know, need. we we also produce uh, our other organization is Downstreeters, um, which is our our, our our production and management and mm-hmm. producing. So we also we're working with young artists on some rap songs right now. And I have uh, another friend of mine from Cleveland, Mississippi, uh, LBP. We'll be working with him on some of his um, Mississippi soul and uh, R&B. It's, okay. uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, I've been playing since I was eight years old. Uh, I, get kicked, I get kicked out of class after watching the Flip Wilson show hosting mm-hmm. the Jackson 5. Mm. See, y'all, that, that just proves right there, y'all, are Indian, because most of the time, I'm Iroquois and yeah. black, and uh, my granddaddy had his guitar, and that's what he got on my grandma's nerves, but my granddaddy had his guitar, and that's what he did, was sit there and play, and he loved Wilson Pickett, and he loved the man in black himself, yeah. and... <laughs> And a yeah. couple of those other, Johnny Cash and a couple of those other folks. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, yeah, being Indian, you guys just are passionate about music anyway. You're very, people don't know that about Indians, but they are very passionate about music. So, I mean, for you to come naturally to play anyway. Because for right. most of you guys, when you were young, like my granddaddy said, you had nothing but music. A lot of right. you came from poor areas where, and I mean, he came from Blackfoot, Virginia. So yeah. they really didn't have nothing up there. They were, the, they were Indian hillbillies. They didn't really have anything but music. One station, right. 
you know, and music instruments that they made on their own out of wood, you know, pieces of wood they found around and, and different things. They made their own instruments before he actually bought that guitar that got on my grandma's nerves. But they made their own instruments. That's all they had was music. So if they were very passionate about it, whether both of them became gospel artists or country artists or even R&B artists, they were very passionate about it. And, I mean, I think that passion has been lost in transition in this new generation. Um, We got Mr. Peters on the phone now, so we need to bring him on. Bring him on, Jay. But it has been nice talking to you, Mr. Eddie Ray. Don't go nowhere. Oh, no, no, no. As as you were saying about the music, uh, we all started in the church. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? When when I was a, a wee one, we used, my grandfather is an AME minister from Valdosta, oh, no. Georgia. Okay, so you know what goes on down there, child. You know. Fire and brimstone, stand around, stand around, child. Listen, you don't talk during service, you get plucked, you get hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I looked at that for my grandparents. I grew up with those Indians. She, she's the Iroquois. My grandfather was Blackfoot. So trust me, yes, I sat in the church and you, you couldn't talk, you couldn't move. Lord knows if you had to use the girls' room, you had to hold that mess. But the, right. the service or the service was over, or you came to you know the collection, then you could go. Yeah, I, I've been through all that. But um, hey, he's Morgan's on the phone now. So let's get him in. Come on, Jay. Mr. Peters, your uh, your mic is open. Hey, good evening, everybody. How you good doing? Evening, my wow. All right. Star yeah, quality, brother. Star quality. <laughs> That's all right. Now, you tell me which Indian background are you from, because I could see it in you. I had to look a little bit more closely at the picture of Eddie Ray, but I can see uh, it in you. So what is I'm, it? I'm a Mashpee Wampanoag. Mm. We're from um, Massachusetts, uh, co- uh, coastal Massachusetts, basically everything from about where Rhode Island begins up to about Revere on the mm. east coast of Massachusetts. That's our territory. Okay. And um, Okay, this is first that's the first thing I noticed when I saw it because you got the, the facial features and your hair is done just like my granddad and I said, Mhm when I saw him I said some kind of Indian. Because that's what yeah, I was just telling Eddie Ray. My my family's in Ur in Iroquois. So okay. that's down here in the south. They came from Blackfoot, Virginia, both of my grandparents. But I saw it in you. I mean, it's just something you can't hide. It's right in your facial features. Yeah, so. it, is, it is kind of right there, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, that's no, I've been, I've been, Like I, I said, I, I, a little I, more closer at it, Ray, because, I mean, some of, some was a little bit darker. And I was like, oh, Lord, I had, I had to look again. I said, wait a minute. And I saw it, but I said, I won't for certain, because you want to tell somebody, everybody go, everybody who looked that way got good hair, you know, they get mad, so I don't, you know, here in the South, you don't really ask anybody. They just, you know, they they don't offer it, you don't say anything. But you, I can see it in you because it looks just like my granddaddy. But you saying you well, something different from him because he was Blackfoot. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, East Coast is East Coast. We we, we went up and down the swamps, which, mm-hmm. is, which is actually, believe it or not, where part of the blues tradition comes from. Right. Because the, um, the blues is actually a composite of... Um, Native and certain forms, you know, Senegalese and Ghanaian in particular forms of music. That combination and that was born in the swamps, the runaway period, etc. 
as as well as the exchange of stories. So yeah, we our people run up and down. The fine line division came when the Europeans arrived, where they were like, "Okay, now you're definitely this, and you're definitely that, and you're definitely mm-hmm. this." Mm-hmm. But we, you know, because what used to determine our nation and tribe was, you live there long enough, well, you one of them. You would have somebody wow. who might come. You might have somebody who came from, say, like the Ojibwe up in Canada, and they somehow mm. wandered all the way down into Mississippi and lived among the Choctaw. Well, they were in the Choctaw long enough and married in and had children, then they were Choctaw. That, that's, wow. how, that, that's how it was. Yeah, I know that's my grandma says to be like that. Baby. Down, in, in the, down here in the south where we live, because I'm in North Virginia, down here okay. where we are, um, there was he had to keep it hidden. For some reason, in you Indian own, black a, could not you could, could not you tell. Couldn't, huh? You couldn't own yeah. land because they they ruled it as they ruled native people as extinct in Virginia. Right. In, uh, yeah, and see, she went by the black instead of going by which I laid her out about as I got older because I wouldn't dare try when I was a kid. But when I was older, I was like, why didn't you tell people who you were? Because it could have helped me in business. Because I own my own business, and now it can't help me because I can't even find the paperwork from back then. But I, when I finally found it, it was a little too late for me to deal with the government to go through all that. All that mess. That's how I found out. I heard my granddaddy was Blackfoot and Iroquois. I, I just didn't feel like going through the drama. But I know I that's my, you know, ancestor. And I was able to go on to the to their reservation that was in um, Rappahannock, Virginia. They have a they're on a reservation there, so I was right. able to get to do all of that. But just to try and prove it on paper for me was a lot of nerve wracking because I'm a I'm a first generation grandchild, but I won't for going through all that mess. Because, you know, they'll take you through everything so I don't get to pay no taxes. So I, I wasn't understand. for, um, yeah, I wasn't for dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. But it, it, it's a mess. Well, before but, I get into some questions with you, I want Jay to play one of you guys' songs that I was listening to. All right. That is Miles. Let's hear oh. Miles, and then we'll get back into it. Make it look easy. Jay? Yeah. Yeah. Jay. Oh yeah, Barbara, I'm here. I'm actually uh pulling up the song. Yeah, it's a little uh You trying to find mine? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, just one second. Um, I'm going to start practicing everybody's music. So when your little soundboard thing start acting up, I'm going to just start singing acapella. And then we just, <laughs> go, from, <laughs> we, we just go from there. That, that way we're keeping the time going. All right, cool. I'm going to start practicing so that way I can sing everybody's music.
Yeah. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie, I was sitting up here doing the cabbage patch. You look at could grab my phone and saying to get back off you. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was like, sit your ass down. That's right, girl. Chow. <laughs> So, I was sitting here at first when it started, and then I was like, I mean, he's right. And it already said we started your feet moving, so then I was like, so that's thing I know I was up doing the cabbage patch. My husband was like, sit your hands down, please, I'm trying to see the TV. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I tried to grab my phone back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like that. That's nice. Thank is you, that part sir. of what's Thank on you. your album? Is that on the album you got? That's on so the, the album. Day? That's on that's on the album and that's actually the first song written specifically for the Groovelados. Nice. What was the meaning behind it? Cause um, I know you my, said do your man, do your man was peeing behind a jealous husband. He probably was cheating his damn self. But I mean <laughs> <laughs> what what was the reason behind Mile? What was up with that? Mile <clears throat> Mile was well Mile means make it look easy. And it was ba- that basically was sort of like just looking at the fact that we, you know, we've been in this game for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. um, coming into coming into the Groovelados, especially for Eddie Ray and I was was like our return to the music business, because you know we um, been in it, been around it, and took a break because mm-hmm. in one way or another it was gonna kill us, <laughs> and you know especially <laughs> the way, especially the way yeah, it's being yeah. run. And, you know, so we're coming back in and we're looking at, you know, okay, well, these are the new bands and these are supposedly the new trends and these are new sounds. It's like, this is just what we've been doing all this time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so when we notice was when we go out in front of people and we perform, they're like, hey, that's up. And we're like, yeah, we make it look easy because we've been doing this for years. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds like it too. It just sounds cohesive. I mean, I mean, it's natural. That's why we're selling it right. And being an Indian, Indians people don't know have a passion for music. Cause back in the day, like my granddad told me, that's all y'all had. For those that came oh, yeah. from, you know, the poor neighborhoods, that's all you had was music. You know, oh, yeah. you didn't have anything else. And that's all I was telling him. My granddad said they had one radio in the neighborhood, and that's all they had was the two, well, really two stations, the gospel one and the country station. So you took your pick. So anybody who came from out of Blackfoot, Virginia, where he was from, you either became a pastor, a gospel artist, or a country one. Because, I mean, I that's all you had, you know, yeah, and they yeah, took yeah. that and used it. You know, so, I mean, he was very passionate about, you know, he couldn't play a lick on that guitar that he had. But, I mean, he was very passionate about, <laughs> about, about music. I mean, and that's where I got all kinds of likings of genre of music was from my grandfather. Because, I mean, once okay, he was able yeah. to expand, you know, I mean, I have an ear for all of it, to be honest. And, I mean, you guys, y'all y'all are just out there with us. Well, ask Sandy Ray, how do you feel that this new generation that believe in soundboards, synthesizers and repeating the same thing over and over again. How do y'all feel? I mean, does it amaze you that you can touch this new generation with old school flavor? And I mean the real old school flavor. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I had a music teacher in high school and um, named Mr. DeChocho, and one of the things he used to always explain was that this stuff always comes in cycles. And it gets to a point where things become so complex, people need to go back. And I think that's kind of what we're finding happening is everything is being done on a computer, on a laptop. Cats who can't mm-hmm. a note on an instrument are producing records. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and props to some of them because some of them are coming up with some really interesting sounding things. But um, what's happened is everything has become so computerized and sterile right. that a sound that is natural and, and flawed, you know, because like 90s hip hop, which was more, you know, 80s, 90s was more my time in hip hop. Hip hop. What made it so great was it was flawed. We were taking old records and sampling old yep. records and trying to EQ the sounds, and so it was flawed, and that made it human, and that made it mm-hmm. fat, that made it nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Kind of that was the kind of thing we were reaching back to, and then you know the the other thing that was going on in the eighties. Now I'm really going to age myself. I'm of that generation of hip hop when hip hop and punk in New York City were all in the same clubs. You know, you forties. I'm sorry. Forties, forties. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying. I mean, because I researched it. That's what I'm saying. Pimp yeah. she just was recently married, right? So congratulations on that too. It ain't been Thank that long, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So congratulations on you and Mrs. Now almost yeah. two. Now almost two years. <laughs> Now almost two years, but but yeah, but but what I was saying was, but with the sound was hip hop and punk were in the same things, and the thing was the energy of punk and the energy of hip hop are almost identical. Mm-hmm. It's that straight up rock and roll. You got something to say, and you want right. to get the crowd up, and you want to energize the crowd, and you want to tap into their energy, and that's the kind of you know I heard Eddie Ray explaining that before, getting people's feet moving, mm-hmm. getting them up. We're out of that generation of music, and we try to bring that back. Yeah, because it's not going on there. Nas does, like he was saying about a few people, the bougies that be out there and don't want you to get up and move. You're supposed to sit there like you're in the offer. That's not how that works. It goes two ways. I pay the music to enjoy the music. You know, I pay the money for to hear the music to enjoy it. And you guys play to want to see the people enjoying it. Not just yeah. sitting there like, you know, we're in the opera. Because you'd be like, well, dang, am I, am I playing it right? Because you don't see anybody head moving, feet moving. they sitting there like statues. That's got to be depressing. Well, you know, because well, you what work hard fun? on preparing the music. You want people to go out there and enjoy it. But that's what this generation has become like. Even if they go to see somebody like Mary J. Blige, I went to one of her concerts when she was down here in Virginia Beach in our amphitheater. People, some of the folk were just standing around looking too cute and ignorant. Me, long as my husband with me, I was up there dancing, acting crazy because I was right long down there in front. That's what I was well, supposed to And as a matter of fact, she kind of picked me out and a few other people because that's what we were there to do. You yeah. weren't there to just stand around and look at her. You don't know how many other places she done been. That's that's not what it's about. And, I mean, this this generation has gotten out of enjoying the music. They're like, hearing it, it I, but they're not enjoying it. Well, I call this the front generation. Mm-hmm. Because this is all about fronting. Even if you look at the music videos, everybody just standing there trying to look cool. Mm-hmm. Nobody's dancing, nobody's moving They're not Mm-mm. even bobbing their heads They're just standing there And this yep. is what happens in the clubs And it's also, you know, in terms of like Look on social media and look at all the selfies It's a picture of Sitting at the bar, trying to look like a model You ain't having a good time <laughs> You ain't fooling me You sitting right. there front. Right you know, and and and, and it, what becomes really funny though at our shows is yes you have this younger generation sitting there fronting and you have these people in their fifties and sixties dancing like they're crazy. Yeah, they do. <laughs> 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 
I just, <laughs> but I, it's normally me up with the fifties and sixties people because I mean, you know, who wants to waste? I mean, I just, I don't understand. I yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I don't. And there's no way you can sit there and listen to y'all. There's no way you got to be sick or something going on. There's no way you can sit there and not get up or move your head or, or move your feet. Part of it is the psychology, though, of the music. Cause, in line with, listen to hip hop now. Listen to the fa- listen to trap, for example, trap house music, and you listen I, to those. I can't. Beats. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't. You asked me but to, but I can't. <laughs> but but they're all like hyper slow. Yeah. I, and I um, it was really, it was really funny because my, my um um Eddie Ray mentioned my son Zig earlier, his drum student. Mm-hmm. Well, my son's also gotten into rhyming and, and lyricism, and he was. And it's funny, you know, it's funny when the younger generation tries to explain stuff their music to you, because like he played, he and his cousin played this beat for me to show me something innovative, and I went and said, okay, I want you to go on YouTube and look up the Fresh Three MC 1983, F R E S H Fresh, and they look it up. And the beat comes on, and they're looking at each other and looking at me with their jaws hanging open. I'm like, yeah, that that new beat I was listening to when I was your age. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and oh, they don't the realize with, it. But but the thing with the music being so electronic, everything is so the same and so predictable mm-hmm. that this is why people don't dance in clubs because it's nobody mundane. wants to stand out. Mm-hmm. No, nobody wants to stand out. Everybody wants. Everybody is so conscious of trying to look cool and be cool mm-hmm. that they're not cool. <laughs> right, right. But But did you but y'all did y'all ever think that do you man when you pinned that did you think you would have as much success? Because I thought I was like number five for a while on some billboard charts. Did you think yeah. you would have that kind of success? We didn't. I mean we knew we knew it was gonna catch on to some extent but we didn't know it was gonna blow like that. Mm-hmm. It, you know that that right. was just a and it was also to, to us kind of funny because we first ended up on the Americana charts, which are the country mm-hmm. charts. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking and I'm like, number eleven on the country. I'm like, on the what? <laughs> oh hell no! <laughs> I mean, mm. Oh, you know, honestly, that was because you know the the um, other funny thing with the blend in terms of the music of um of our music is. Eddie Ray's coming out of the Georgia, Louisiana music background, mm-hmm. and the split of you know, and the, and the, the native and the black, and with mine, the split is you have the native, which is actually more the storytelling in my writing, mm-hmm. but um, other side is West Indian, which is funny because when you listen to calypso and you listen to reggae and so forth, you're still listening to the blues. Yeah, and still listening to the storytelling, but that, but so we so have that. Then we also when you listen, particularly what's coming out of Georgia and what's particularly coming out of um, Mississippi, you're hearing the same strains of the African music. So it's sort of like bringing everything into that full circle. It is. It is. Is there any one particular piece that y'all like better than any other that you performed in front of an audience? Huh. Uh. Hmm. It depends on the night, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sacred, uh, what is it? Temple of the Sacred Cloud. That can bring yeah. the house down. Um, uh, ask your mama can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, Mal- 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 
them big girls definitely does it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah, mind? I heard a little bit of that. I was I was at my building cleaning my building. Y'all almost got me fired. Um. And once again, I broke into the cabbage patch and um the road run up and there. Yeah, so the white folk looking at me all crazy, like, what the hell is she doing? So the girl got on her mic in, in my ear, my cell phone, and keeping my ear on the other mic. She was like, we can see you on camera. I was like, oh, yeah, I forget. Oh, God, I said, Lord, them damn Rubaladas. I said, I was trying to get, I was trying to finish listening to the music and stuff while I was, but I didn't think I was going to get into it like that while I was trying to work, and I forgot, yeah, I was on camera. So, yeah, they're, they're going to hold on to that because they said I really went into a five-minute, I did, I did. I was, I thought what I was, I was sweeping at first, and then it came on, um, the big girl one, and then I had Ash and Mama on, and then by the time, I don't know what happened. I just lost all sense of where I was and what was going on. All I know is the girl was talking in my ear. The owners in us can see you. Can you stop? Can you stop? And I, was, and I looked up where I was at, and I was like, oh, Lord. Lord, these mm-hmm. damn rules always got me out here, and I'm about to lose my money. Let me tell you. I said, I just had a moment. Because he came and asked me, was it okay? Because I don't know if he thought I was going crazy or sick or something from the way we're dancing. So I was like, I said, no, nah. I, I was just having a moment. He was like, oh, okay. But they're going to hold on to the tape, though. I said I look real cute trying to dance. But anyway. <laughs> but got the music in you, baby. It was. I can't help it because, I mean, it was, I was like, Lord. I mean, normally I could listen to everybody's music and just chop my head. But y'all is like sitting with my granddaddy, listening to all the stuff that he listened to that I moved to even as a baby. That's how far mm-hmm. back y'all took me with that. That's oh, why I said I could tell from the music and y'all there was any in background before I even looked it up. Because I, it had to be. Because the music just touched me that way. So, oh, I'm I mean, glad it being did. an Indian myself, yeah, well, being an Indian myself, that's why. Because I was like, mm-hmm. Lord, that took me all the way back to Grandpa sitting out there with me and him on the porch listening to different music. That's why I said the Jimmy doesn't bother me because I could listen to all types. Because that's right. how, you know, he did. You know, he had an ear for all types. But I was like, mm-hmm. dang, they took me all the way back to Granddaddy with this. But, uh-huh. you know, I mean, that's y'all keep that up for real. But, okay. you know, you, Mr. Morgan, I got to ask you this, because I was looking at this, and is this true? Did you really play at Carnegie Hall? Yes, I did. And I, I How? Was thir- first of all. I was 13 years old. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. How did that feel? And you played the viola. I played the viola when I was a kid. All the way through, um, I was in uh, all state. All city, then all state. Before I went to college, I had, was in ROTC by the end of the military, so I got out of it. But I was in all city, all state, uh, band, chorus, and orchestra, and played the um, viola. That was my instrument. I just took okay. right to it. I couldn't play the violin. That, that unnerved me. But the viola, something about that B key and the G, just I, I, I could work right in there. But how did it feel for you to play at Carnegie Hall? I mean, for I- real. Honestly, didn't even really think about it until like well, years later. It's like, wow, I did that. Man, <laughs> did you know where you were? Do you know that oh, is like I, that is about bad as Juilliard for any black person? Seriously, well, please well, tell I, me you I, got a picture of that somewhere. Somewhere, because I was I have, looking, I didn't see any. Somewhere I have a photo from those. You days, need to put that but, up. I don't, I don't know if it's better than that. Just to put that up so I can see that. I mean, you can have a photo of that somewhere. Because that was like an ultimate 
accomplishment for any black person for real because even in that even in that time back in the seventies and eighties, I mean oh, yeah. come on in, it's kinda hard for us to get recognized for the little things. It was so, I mean it well it, it was a it was a funny thing. Um with with like I said, with that whole thing, no, it it was grown when you grow up in New York City, you don't think about the things in New York City as Wow. Mm-hmm. It's just there. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> so Car- Car- Carnegie Hall. T- so Carnegie Hall is yeah, that's that big concert hall on Fifty Seventh yes. Street. Yeah, and you know, but it's the one on Fifty Seventh Street, which means that okay, so it's in Manhattan, which and I'm in the Bronx. So if I get on the subway, I can go to Carnegie Hall. Yeah, you know. So you don't really think about that. Well, I see you're humble. You, you, you're very humble. And then that goes right along to say about all the awards that y'all have uh, uh, won. I mean, for Eddie Ray and you, do y'all have a favorite award that you've gotten? Because you got so many, I don't need to, like, naming all them things. But I'm saying, is there a favorite one of all the awards that you've gotten? I know for me personally, mine was the American Indian one you got because very little times they get recognized. In big music genres, they really don't. Not even on the main boards do they get recognized. So for me, the American Indian Award you got was the greatest accomplishment I saw. But the for silver, you and Eddie Ray, what's your favorite? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what was y'all favorite? Or the biggest one that you got? I, I would say the Silver Arrow was probably okay. for me. What, what do you think, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, I agree. See, I agree, the Silver Arrow. It was for me because I mean I was like, wow, because I'm I'm looking at it from a perspective that through the generation there have been multiple Motown, um, big scale uh, artists who Electro, all of them who have come from Indian background but were ashamed to give it credit. That's the same way like my grandmama did, like I was telling Eddie, telling Eddie Ray. She didn't want to tell anybody she was Indian either. She always went with the black. You could see the Indian on her because they called her Red Woman. That was her name on her street where she lived, Red Woman. You could see it on her, like I could see it on you, Morgan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but they had a shame for it. Even the artists back then had a shame for who they were unless you read their biography or autobiography or listened to them tell an interview. So, right. I mean, for you guys to get that award and openly say that, you know, you are a black American Indian, that to me, that was the, the proudest moment for me was to see y'all get that award right there. For well, me, well, that was my proudest moment as an Indian. That was my proudest moment for me. That's why well, I said thing, that was my favorite of all of them that you got. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, one thing, though, to understand, though, with a lot of artists, you got to remember they didn't. One of the things that we're lucky with in terms of being independent artists, we get to control our own image and our information. Right. A lot of the artists that we're the, whose shoulders we're riding on, Jimi Hendrix, Muddy mm-hmm. Waters, um, you know, the Neville list of Brothers. native artists, Chuck Berry, the, the list of native Did you artists. hear him? The Neville Brothers, too, because they are, too. The Neville Brothers. Yeah, the Neville well, Brothers. The Jack, the Jack you know, the um, Jackson family, Michael Jackson, yeah, all his brothers, they're, they're all Choctaws. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, but the thing is, the industry wouldn't let them acknowledge your native. And that's the only band, they try to make it sound like the first and only rock and roll native band was Redbone. 
And what they mm-hmm. did was treat them like a novelty act. So, okay, let's put them in their Indian costumes, and they'll come out and sing, hey, aha, do a rain dance, and then sing, come and get your love. And everybody mm-hmm. will say, yeah, the Indian rock and roll band. And they're gone. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, and that's kind of what they did to them. Yeah, and, they did. Um, you know, so one of the beautiful things is, well, well, some of the beautiful things are, I should say, that we can control our image and can control this information and come out with, yes, we are Native. We are Native okay. blues singers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that you have groups like the Native American Music Association mm-hmm. and Spirit Wind Records and Canyon Records and all those beautiful labels that celebrate Native music in all its forms and all mm-hmm. of those um, organizations so that there is now more of a more of a backbone for that because the thing was if you can't you know the racism of the music industry was such that if you were native then you had to be a folk artist right considered a folk artist or a country artist you were Mm -hmm. were were automatically country or um you automatically country or folk you couldn't be Hip-hop. Or gospel. Don't forget gospel. Because oh, yeah, that's, that's, gospel. Yeah, it was either it was either gospel music, you write folk music or country. That is what I said, yeah. because you know, they figure like because that was your background where you came from, that's all you knew. Exactly. <laughs> so You know, because like for example, it's just very recently, you know, we when we talk about background, it's very recently that it came out that James Brown was Apache. Mhm. And the thing is, you look at him and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see it. You can see it on him, too. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you have look, to look, look closely to be able to see that. Because, I mean, he, they he hear a lot of it. And, and all the times he was saying, I read his book. All the yeah. time he was saying he didn't perm his hair all the time. His hair was natural strength. But they had him. Like you said, these publicists, they make me sick. With the Prasala crap, they told him saying that he was using some type of perm that was out, the S perm, whatever it was, that came out. They wanted him to promote that perm and say that he was using it. But he said a lot of times all he did was wash his hair and it would naturally go straight. Yeah. And they told him to keep it cut in that style because it would grow so long. They didn't want him to have a long do. They wanted him to have his helmet head to do like, you know, most white men got their helmet head. Um, they want, that's why he had that. That pompadour, that pompadour effect. But uh-huh. the other, the other funny thing is looking at him and his build. It reminds me of one one of my favorite jokes is, "What's four feet tall and has a thousand legs?" What is it? Hopi Grand Entry. <laughs> <laughs> Right there, I'm not even gonna repeat that joke to my husband to get cussed at. Okay. Well, Eddie Ray can vouch because we we were just out in Albuquerque at the Gathering of Nations. Yes, and, my brother. And we and we have to give a shout out to them and to Emergence Productions who brought us out yes. there to mm-hmm. perform and to open the powwow, but. Eddie Ray can vouch, you know, you see, you know, Gathering of Nations, so you see your Eastern Indians, and, you know, they're ranging in all kinds of sizes, and you do have your occasional Western Indian who's like seven feet tall, seven and a half feet tall, eight feet Mm -hmm. tall, but most of the cats we were seeing from the West were like 
bumping into our elbows and whatnot. And it's not like we tall guys to begin with. But, but these were like these were like some these were like some little dudes. I'm like, damn, paint him blue, he could be a Smurf. I mean, it was it was terrible. My granddaddy but, uh, used to say they used to put some tar in the water. That's what it was, because the water won't never completely fresh. That's why their growth got sunny. That's because okay. I used to ask them, too, because two of my uncles were short. My granddaddy was 5 foot 11, yeah. you know, almost 6 feet tall. My, right. my oldest son is almost as tall as dad. My uncles weren't that tall, 5 feet 11, 1 on 6. One of my uncles was the only one that was like 5 feet. Maybe five, five, four, like me, and I, and then I saw two, two, three of my other great uncles, and I used to ask my granddaddy why, because one of them had red hair. My aunt and my um uncle, my great aunt and great uncle, had flaming red hair, and I used to ask my grandma why were they short and why were they hairy? They dyed hair. She said, no, that is their natural hair color. So yeah, I mean, you know, it came in there, but my granny used to drink my um great.
did they tell you they were gonna put you in jail because you asked getting the tanning bed? <laughs> I did. Well, no tanning bed. Well, when, when Eddie when, when, when Eddie ahead, raises man. out the sun, he glows. That's right. <laughs> I do, bro. I do. No, I'm, I'm dead up serious. At nighttime, if he's been out in the sun for a while, when he when it's nighttime out, he glows. Go ahead, y'all. I know you didn't ever get in no tanning contest. I'd have put you out my damn self. I'm like, oh, you should have seen you. You should What is wrong with Okay, let's put it this way. You should have seen everybody when I came up there, and they said you don't have a tan. And then I took the edge of my shorts and dropped it down. Everybody's eyes popped out of their heads. They were like, oh, man. I can't with you, man. No, you did not. I wish I would have seen that moment live because I would have recorded that. No, the hell you did not go for real. Yes, I did. They kicked me out. Told me, do not bring, do not bring myself back. Oh my God! It wasn't. It was not fair to the <laughs> rest of the contestants. Because I think I would have cussed you out trying to be funny. <laughs> well, they told me you can't enter. I said, "What do you mean? It's a tanning contest. I got a tan." <laughs> oh God! I wish I would have seen that dude. Because ain't no way in the world that you went up there. I mean, seriously, you went up there with a proud face and asked to be in that tanning contest. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I said, you want to see it? Here it is. Where's my money? <laughs> they said, you're, you're disqualified. Out. <laughs> yeah, that was back in the 80s, right there on Cape Cod. Because I didn't yell that, racism. Why didn't you just yell racism? That's when you charge racism. I'm about to say, yeah, they put you out of the returning contest. That's not right. I said, oh, well, you can't do that. that you well, it's not fair. You know, where were you at? You should have went out there and went out there and said, you know, give him an opportunity to do his best. Maybe if y'all started singing, it'll let you stay. <laughs> you, know, you gave him a free show. You know how you know how folk here about free, but y'all gave a free show. They might have let you stay there. No, they didn't have let you stay. Cape Cod has always been an interesting place. Um, yeah, honestly, very interesting. Where is it? Funny... Where is it again? You were at? Oh, Cape Cod. Mhm. But what what's funny about out here is um, at, at the time that he's talking about with the tanning contest, you didn't have black music out here. Mm. Except at maybe a couple of clubs, and it was all recordings, and there was like, it's funny, because the guy who's now Justin Timberlake's manager, he used to be the DJ at the local roller rink. So wow. when he became DJ at the local roller rink, that's when you began to see New Edition, the Soul Sonic Force, Grandmaster mm. Flash, and Serious Five. That's when you began to see them start coming out on the cape. But meanwhile, at that same time, if you were a musician on the Cape, like I, I always, I always cringe when I talk about this. As a keyboard player on Cape Cod, I was playing stuff like Van Halen's "Jump." Mm. I still, I still wince when I think about that opening keyboard. Well, what's wrong with what's wrong with Van Halen "Jump"? There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can play that is awesome. What's what's wrong Big with that song? I, huh? I, I guess. I, I guess when 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 you want to play like when, when I plan 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 yeah I, I, I wanted to I, I wanted to play in Kume I, I wanted but to play like look, look, look. put your own spin on it but bound 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 you know ask some hey, folks on two hey, and, and that's when, and that's when they get rid of you because it's like oh, yeah. oh he's black he's blackening up Van Helen 
He's see? blackening up Van Halen. We need a, we well, need a, but need a classical But Van Halen was going one of the little black artist girls up there and do a duet with her. Ain't that what Steven Tyler did? I'm just saying. Steven Tyler well, did one with Mary J. What you saying? Hey, he's, he's not the only one that had to play jump, too. So, you know, hey. Uh, you know, yeah. growing up, I, 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 when I started playing the drum set, I used to practice LTD, Confunction, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Commodores, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, uh, Bob Skaggs. You understand what I'm saying? And then when I came oh, out yeah. to play, when I decided I was going to join a band, it was the Beatles. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can play the Beatles with one hand. And drink my drink for the rest whole night. See, they feel like no one can because, again, synthesizers, like I was telling Eddie, synthesizers and those soundboards, they don't realize that even those sounds come from basic instruments put together to make that, that music. And and you have to be able to know how to, I mean, who was it that said that one time? Tina Turner said that if you can't play basic instruments, First and foremost, ain't even no need to try to get out there and become an artist. I mean, for real. Because you yeah. have to be able to hear the music to be able to speak the music. You have to be able to coincide each, hear it, and to be able to speak it. And if you can't, because you can't go along with a board or go along with a synthesizer, when they mess up, you mess up. That's why a lot of them learn how to do it. Can you guys do acapella as well? So oh, yeah. the lights go out somewhere. Oh, yeah. Y'all got to do a show. Can y'all sit there and still get it done? Oh yeah. Sure. I keep a beat in the background, and we go. We go off. Okay. Now, okay. Now, 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 Eddie Ray. Here's one. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come on in and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. See that that was one of those nice little eighties tunes that you better. And see everybody can't do that. Every artist and that's what's sad about I mean, for y'all personally being as grounded as you are in your music, how do y'all feel about the new artists now being lazy? Because, I mean, that's what they've become. long as they make, can make a million off of the same track, everybody's been tired out nine times over, they don't seem to care. They're not about being authentic or unique anymore. What do y'all say about this new generation of music? I mean, honestly, how do y'all feel about them? Because I ask everybody. More work for us. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, we we stay employed because they always go. You know, it was the funny thing of I went to Boston University, which was around the corner from Berkeley. The guys from Berkeley used to keep getting me to come play piano on projects for them, and I'm like, "This is Berkeley. Why are you grabbing me?" And they're like, "Cause you don't play like a Berkeley keyboard player." Wow. And and it was, the funny thing is, you know, coming to realize, wow, there actually is a Berkeley sound mm-hmm. in terms of how, you know, the, the keyboard plays, the, the cording, the style, the voicings, the um, approach. Mm-hmm. There's an actual style that we that you hear coming out of Berkeley. And right. realizing that, you know, I didn't learn that. I just listened to stuff and played it and figured it out. Right. And, you know, had a few piano teachers who were like, okay, do it like this, try it like this, do it that way. And so I didn't have that sound, but so it, it's sort of like this is that even further beyond. But the, one of the things that I think um, 
really put it over the edge for me was I went to this um, music conference in New York a few years back, the All Access mm-hmm. Music Conference. Okay. And had all these young guys coming up, and they're supposed to be the producers and the beat makers, and they're hyping them up. Yeah, so how do you get in the industry, and how do you get in big? And I'm listening to them, and I'm looking at what they're doing, and this guy who's making beats, he whips out a drum machine. And as I'm look, and I look at the drum machine, and I look it up, and actually went up to Sam Ash and checked one out, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. You can program it to play a D minor to an A minor chord, mm-hmm. and then the, and then it'll invent a bass line behind it, and then you come up with the drum sounds. So I'm like, these guys aren't doing a damn thing, at, mm-hmm. you know, at all. And then you know you listen to the disdain they have for art. Well, I, I mean, the one that I always love. Well, I have more freedom than you because you're trained, so you're trapped in your training, and I don't have that training. I'm just right. free and can do. And I'm like, no, you got what you're coming up with is garbage. <laughs> you, you know, what, what I mean. Well, I hope you didn't say I, it like that. But I mean, I, I have. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying. Now, come on, no, man, and it be a little bit more uh, uh, cool. Wanna, a little bit more cool, Okay, I'm going to tell you how cruel I've been. I'm like, you know what? That would be like pouring paint on yourself and rolling naked on paper and then calling yourself an artist. <laughs> I've seen it done. I've seen it done. I can't. I can't with y'all. Okay, look, see? <laughs> And if you say that now and we laugh, somebody will actually buy that. Depending on who the naked body was rolling on that paint, somebody will buy that crap. And call it And you know and that. You know that. And that's exactly somebody what happened. Somebody will pay $1,000 depending on who the jackass was that laid down there and rolled <laughs> in that paint. And know they can't get that paint off of them. But depending on who did it, somebody will pay that $1,000 and put that painting in their house and call that art. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I happen to have three of mine. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to bidding at five thousand, and uh, they're, they're numbered. They're numbered editions, by the way. You mean that you <laughs> rolled in some paint? No, I didn't. I'm oh, I'm saying, <laughs> I know your wife won't allow you to put that out there to sell to nobody. Oh, okay, okay, I'm just okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm just sorry. wondering if you rolled something naked. All right, okay. But 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 what I'm saying is, but just like you said, and somebody would buy that exactly, and somebody is buying, and that somebody's buying that that hip hop. That's like, mm-hmm. really, it's like you really put this out as a record. Somebody just really, yeah, you know, yeah. really slap you. But meanwhile, it becomes like a multi, you know, becomes a platinum record. It's like, wow, oh, he's a genius. What, what did you right. do to come up with that beat? I got naked and rolled on some paper in some paint. That's what they did. <laughs> it is sad. That, that is what's becoming of this, this generation of music. But I'm, I'm glad y'all and a few others are trying to bring it back to prominence, real music. And I mean, it's like nobody learned a lesson from Millie Vanilli. Nobody learned oh. that lesson from that other um group. Who was the other group? Lachey or something like that? Because I was researching y'all and found the ones that they said that were one-hit wonders or those that got exposed for lip singing. Lachey or something was the other group. It was British, but it was just like um, Miller Vanilla, and it was somebody else. Oh, they didn't uh, learn their lesson from these people. Right. They didn't learn their, their lesson from these people getting caught instead of going out there and training yourself to learn the music. 
I mean, I know everybody can't afford a vocal coach. Everybody can't afford, you know, to go to some type of school to learn music. But you got your church. You got there are other little programs out there where you can hone in. Rec centers still open for some. Train yourself to learn better because eventually you're going to get caught if you do it the wrong way. And, I mean, it's like this generation just don't care. They just slap something together and call it a song, and everybody run behind it like that panda mask. Because everybody kept telling me about it, and I finally listened to that junk, and I threw up. Because I'm like, what in the hell is this? This is not music. And I looked up there, he is multi-platinum with that. I, I wanted to find every God, child that listened to it and beat their tail. And rolled on some paper. Right. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand. You know, but that, that's these producers and publicists and other people pushing that trash. And what the person don't realize is, even though they're making their money or whatever, off of what you got, oh. in the end, people are going to look at you in the end. So I'm going to always remember you for that shitty song. Oh, yeah. You know, see, the producer doesn't matter about them. I'm going to remember you for it. Just like Millie Vanilli could never get, that's why I want them to kill themselves. They could never get out of being the ones caught on stage with the machine going down. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? They're going to always remember you for the bad, not the good. That's why you should never get caught up in those kind of things. Do like you guys are doing. You know your music. You have an ear for your music. You can play your music. Just like right there, you can come right up with that acapella at any time. There are artists who tell you that they voice hurt. They can't do that. Ain't no way in hell when I didn't when I didn't help make you a millionaire to live in a ten bedroom house. You better find a way to get your voice right and sing something for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, telling you, I'm a part of your ten million dollar house you sit me in, and you and you tell them you got a cold. And I gotta give it to Whitney Houston, God rest her soul. No matter where she was, somebody called her out. That girl came out with a acapella. She could give it to you right there oh, yeah. and there on the spot. So for that rock she wore that was about thirty mil on her on her hand, and I don't know what it did with that ring, but that that rock that was thirty mil on her hand, she could give you the music to back up what she said. Most of the time when she did the um here in, in um Norfolk, she used to go down to the um base and do a show for them for free. When we used to go to see that show, she said, "Look, y'all keep talking about that. I'm standing up here with music and people behind me." She said, "Y'all shut up." She would tell her group behind her to not say nothing. She would stand there and sing seven of her songs, her big songs, acapella, no music. So the woman was bad. She's one of the people I know could do it straight out. So she was worth the money you paid for her. Oh, there yeah. are a lot of them that are not. And well, I, I don't understand how they're able to still hold on to. <laughs> I don't. I don't get that. But you know, you guys expose them for real. If they put them aside, y'all, and let y'all play, it's an embarrassment. I, well, I would I, feel. Yeah, I would feel about two inches short, standing beside real <laughs> artists and calling myself an artist, making all that money when you guys don't, and I'm not even worth the money on paper. And I know I'm not, but I'm just gonna do it anyway because I'm making that money. Well, all I, all I can say to that is, girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. Ooh, 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 ooh. Boy, I ain't got time. You about to wrap this up. But see, you ain't got good sense right now. And, and I'm still talking about you and this damn, this damn, um, man, you and talking about going somewhere for tanning. I, I, I'm, that part going to be in my head for the rest of the night. You to mess my night up. Zach? 
Jay, you gonna come in with your closing remarks because these two gentlemen are a piece of work. But you guys <laughs> keep it going. I'm gonna keep listening. My Indian people. All right, you know what Grandmama said? He's crazy as a June bug. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Jay, what's your closing remarks? All right. Well, uh, basically, um, Uvalados, thank you for being on Welcome to the Country. And um, thank you. you know, for, oh yes, oh yes. Before we wrap this up, is there anything you want to plug? Any shout outs? Any social media links you want to plug? Anything? Just go ahead and do it. Um, well, let's see. Shout out social media links. Check us out on Facebook, The Groovalados, Twitter, The Groovalados, and Instagram, The Groovalados. You know, we're on, we're on all of those platforms. And, um, you know, definitely check out the album Ask Your Mama. We're on, you know, all those normal download outlets like uh, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon. And you can also get physical copies as well. And, you know, check out our website thegroovelados.com and if you're on Cape Cod, you know, we're doing our we're doing our show The Funk Hits, which is a um traveling street concert basically that's being funded by the Massachusetts Cultural Council. So, you know, you can come have some fun out on one of the street corners in Cape Cod with us. You know, those are all posted on our website. And uh yeah and any of our folks who are listening, definitely shout out to them. We love you, and, you know, thanks for keeping us going. Oh, yes, oh, yes. And also, get more updates on the Groovelottos at the com. Check that out. And um, also, you got any, uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, all the listeners, just definitely go to all the links. And um, also, this show, Welcome to the Country, will be available on iTunes in the next four hours. So, uh, so definitely search this show on Podcasts on Demand. And uh, you can listen to a replay at blogtalkradio.com forward slash product on demand. I mean, excuse me, podcasts on demand. And, uh, and that's it. Thank you all for, uh, for joining us tonight. And uh, Birdman, is there anything you want to say to us before we go? We all, we all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. We ain't got no more talking. Good night. Night, guys. Good night. Well, we're the crew of our idols. We hope you, we hope you like our show. We thank you, Mr. Tora, for us. But now we got to go. That's all, folks. Yay. Thank you. Bye.